to the Word of God, I want you to stand and honor the Word. Uh, open up your Bible or your app, app whatever uh, resource you're using. And we're going to be reading verses 1 through 6 through Matthew chapter 19. Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings, that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And a great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So, so then they are no longer two but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together let no man separate. Touch somebody and extend your hand if you're not with anyone towards the screen as we go to God in agreement. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful that when we pray, you hear us. And there is nothing that is too hard for you to do, for you are the God of all flesh. God, you said call upon you and you would answer and show us great and mighty things that we know not. And so, God, we're crying out to you. And we're not praying amiss because we know that if we pray with the mo wrong motivation, you will not grant it unto us. Now, God, we need, we need you to give unto us that which we are crying out to you so that we can live in a way that we are supernaturally empowered. And the light of Jesus Christ is shining through us in such a way that the darkness is, is, is repelled. And those who see the light cry out, what must I do to come to know this Jesus that has totally changed you? We thank you and we bless you in that name which is above every name, the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Today, we want to begin this, our journey in learning how to level up spiritually. We're going to be talking about parents talking about leveling up financially, talking about leveling up with our emotions. So we got a long journey, but it's going to be one that God is going to use to transform our very lives. Now, my preference is to, is to purchase things that are already assembled. I do not like putting anything together, period exclamation mark. However, when I must assemble an item that has been purchased for our home, the first thing that I look for in the box, the box, are the instruction, instructions. I can hear some of you, you skilled sisters and brothers Talking about, I don't need to see the instructions. All I got to do is to see, Brother Brian, all you got to do is look at how something appears on the box. And based on how it looks on the box, he can just put that thing together. And it works like it was supposed to work. And God bless all of you who have those kind of skills. 
but as for me in my house, I need the written instructions, the YouTube, and whatever is available to me to help me to do the most basic assembling of products that we have purchased. Now, whether you only need to see how something looks before you assemble it, or you're like me, you need all the help you can get. What is for sure, if you fail to put the product together based on the instructions from the manufacturer, that product will never work in the manner in which it was designed. It will not work. If you put it together the way you think it ought to be put together, but it doesn't line up, with the, if it doesn't level up with the standards, with the, 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 the specifications, you're just going to have a product that works uh, in an imperfect way. You must follow the instructions of the design to get the full benefit of the product because it was made for a particular purpose with a particular design. Somebody ought to say amen. Now, unfortunately, too many pastors, denominations, and Christians in general have decided to ignore God's clear non-negotiable instructions for marriage. We have decided that we know what, it, what will be best in marriage for us. And as a result of that, we see the consequences. Now, if we're going to level up as Christians at home, we must follow God's instructions. We must follow God's instructions regarding his instructions for marriage. Jesus provides biblical guidelines for marriage in Matthew chapter 19, verses uh, 1 through 12, but we're going to focus on verses 4 through 6. Jesus gives us the guidelines, the instructions for how God intends for marriage to be developed so that it will be successful according to the purpose that he has pre determined for marriage. Now listen again to verses 4 through 6. He says, answering the Pharisees, Jesus said, and he answered and he said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh, so then that they're no longer one, but they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man, let no man separate, let no man divorce. There are at least seven clear instructions for how God requires marriages to be built for success, at least seven in verses four through six. And I want to share those with you. And we just laying, today we're laying the foundation for where we're going uh, in our study on how to level up in our homes as it relates to the family. In particular, for the next weeks, we'll be talking about marriage. Now, the first instruction is found in the beginning of verse 4, where Jesus said, in response to the Pharisees, he says, have you not read? 
And so instruction number one for successful marriage is you need to build your marriage biblically. Build your marriage biblically. Now, we don't want to gloss over how Christ responded to the Pharisees' question about when is it legitimate for a man to divorce his wife. What Christ did not do is engage the, the religious leaders in a theological discussion or political debate. He responded to the question by asking, have you not read? He started with the scriptures as the basis for what determines our answer to the question of how marriages are supposed to be built. Now, if Jesus, the very word of God, would, would answer the question about marriage with the word, it behooves us to follow his example when the questions are asked about how should marriage work. Christians start with looking to the scriptures for solutions. And so if you want a successful marriage, you need to build it biblically. Build your marriage biblically. Now, <clears throat> this is the the premise or the presupposition or foundation for every true Christian. We hold certain truths to be self-evident. They are indisputable. They're non-negotiable. They're without debate. And one of the positions that we hold is that God's word is the final authority for how we live and what we believe. Now, if you profess to be a Christian, or if you're listening to me right now, and you don't believe that the Bible has the final say about marriage in every other aspect of our life, then you're not gonna, you, you will not agree with me today. But if you believe that this Bible is the word of God, therefore, we should live by it and believe what it says. Now we have a basis for communication and conversation. The first thing <clears throat> that needs to happen is you need to understand <clears throat> that you want to build your marriage biblically, and here's why. Here's why Christians build their marriages biblically. Because we believe that the Bible is without error in its original orthographies. In the original language, when the Bible was first written, there are no errors. There are no errors. And in the, in the various translations that we use, because it is a translation, certain nuances or uh, uh, commonclatures or, or language variants are going to be lost. That's why when you do studies of the Bible, you have to do linguistical, so you got to go behind the translation. There is no singular translation of the Bible from the original that is the perfect Bible. It is a translation of the original. So if you can go back to the Greek and study your preach from the Greek and do your studies from the Greek, then let's talk. But if we're talking about the NIV versus the King James, the King James, the NIV, are translations based on contemporary times. We, we have modern translations because people speak differently from how they spoke years ago. But every translation, no matter what language it's in, because it's not the original language, some minor differences are going to occur. But in the original text, there are no errors. 
We believe in plenary inerrancy. That means that every single word is without error. Now watch this. The Bible, therefore, because it is without error in its original uh, uh, manuscripts or orthographies, the truth, it, the Bible, therefore, is the truth. That is, it is the standard for all that is right or wrong. The Bible determines if something is wrong or right because it is, as we're going to see, it's the word of God. And Jesus puts it this way. He says, sanctify them by your truth because your word is truth. In John chapter 17, verse 7, so the word of God is the truth. It is the light that, that, it, that, that shines on everything, and based on what the word reveals, the, the conclusion of whether it's right or wrong is not determined by that which the light is shining on. The light determines the, the truth of that. And so the word of God is the standard by which right and wrong is measured or determined. And the, the, the word of God, which is the truth, makes all truth knowable. Because God's word is true and the standard, it makes knowing the truth possible. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 8, verse 32. You stay with me. We're going somewhere. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Pilate asked Jesus, well, how, what is the truth, and how can we know it? Well, Jesus said that you shall know it because God's word is the standard, and the standard that God has provided in this word called the Bible is not a secret. He makes it knowable. We can know what God expects from us in terms of what is right and what's wrong. It's knowable. You don't have to be in the dark. You can know the truth, and Jesus said this truth will set you free. The truth that is knowable is also reliable. And so it's the standard, you can know it, and it's re what you know or learn from the Bible is reliable. You can count on it, you can trust it. it everything that God promised is yes and amen because it, what he says he will do, he has always done it, he is doing it, and he always will. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 16 and 17, Jesus speaking, he said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. And here's, what, here's how we know the word of God is reliable. You can trust it. You can depend on it because it's true. It's the standard. It can be known. He says, for truly I say unto you, until heaven and earth disappears or pass away, not the smallest letter or the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything God has said is accomplished. The word of God is reliable. Why is it reliable? Because it works. It works. It, everything that God said would happen has happened. And right before our eyes, we see the very prophetic scriptures being fulfilled in our time. And so the word is reliable. The word can be known. The word is the standard. The word of God is without error, but it's also, the Bible is, ab is absolutely authoritative for every aspect of our life. And here, all I'm saying is this, the reason why we build our marriages biblically is because what we believe to be true about the Bible. We believe that the Bible is true. We believe that the Bible is absolutely authoritative. And what that means when in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 3, verse 16, Paul says, all scripture is theonumatized. That is, it is God-breathed, Theo, God, pneumatized spirit. It comes from the very mouth, the breath of God. 
So Christians believe that the Bible is absolutely authoritative is because it is God's very word. So when we talk about standing when the Bible is read, just like if the president walked in, everybody stands up. If you're honoring somebody at the, the, the Academy Awards, everybody stands up because we're recognizing there's accomplishment. We stand up because we want to honor the authority of the person who, who has spoken the words that we're reading. And so whenever you read the Bible, what we are saying based on what is in the word where it says all scripture is God breathed. That means that we believe that every word that you believe, every word that you read is literally God speaking. You want to hear the voice of God? Read his word. And that's why we reverence the scriptures, not because we have it in the central, in the middle of the table in our room or at our house, or we have the Ten Commandments posted on the wall because that's the religious thing to do. We literally believe as Christians that when the Bible is read, God is speaking. I, I was uh, coming into the church this morning, and I didn't realize that Minister, uh, Pastor Haman was reading God's word, <laughs> and I just walked in. And, and I, I think that's irreverent, it, it, uh, that is irreverent to walk when God is speaking. Uh, 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 just like we say, if somebody walks out of the room while we're talking, say, don't turn your back on me. Don't walk away when I'm talking. Now, you pay attention. Well, when the Bible is being read, you need to pay attention because it's God breathed. It's from the very mouth of God. It is God who is speaking to us. Now, if you don't believe that this is the word of God and that God is speaking, then you're going to end up trying to put marriage together based on your own design. Mar uh, the Bible, the scripture comes from the very mouth of God. It is the very word of God when we read it. I'm amazed that Muslims, when they handle the Quran, they, they wash their hands. They don't even pick up their Bible without the, the Quran without washing their hands. Up until recent technology, the biggest problem on Sunday morning is, where's my Bible? <laughs> we didn't even know where it was, let alone washing our hands. But it's, it, it, the important thing is not whether you wash your hands or, or, or you, you treat the Bible in, in some sacred way. You don't want to drop it. You don't want to put it in, in, in the back of your car. No, no, no. How do you respond when the word of God is being read? Because it's literally God speaking. We need to get that in our spirit. We have moved away from the authority of the scriptures. Do you believe that this Bible is inspired, came from the very breath of God? I was just talking to Deacon Tim, and uh, sometimes his voice isn't working right. And he told me that, Pastor, well, sometimes I can't get it over the whisper. He said, well, I'll just write it. Guess what? When he writes a prayer for me on every Sunday, that's, that's Deacon Tim's word. It may not be spoken, but if, it wrote, if he wrote it, it's his word. If God gave this Bible to us, it's his word. And we learn that, in fact, he did give it to us. In 1 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, verse 21, it says, uh, the scripture, uh, here, here's the principle. The scripture comes from God through human authors that were superintended or guided by the Holy Spirit to write exactly what God wanted written without error. Listen to what the Bible says, for prophecy never had, had its origin in human will or in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along 
by the Holy Spirit. And so God directed through, through, through direct revelation through individual authors his word in such a way he worked through their personalities and they said and recorded exactly what God told them to record without error or contradiction. The word of God is absolutely authoritative and therefore we should respect the word and obey. The word of God is also sufficient for faith and life. The Bible says that all scripture, we said all scripture, not some, not just the ones we like, but he said the scriptures is sufficient because it is profitable, it is beneficial, the Bible says, for doctrine and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness so that the servants of God may be completely and adequately prepared unto all good works. The word of God is sufficient for all that we need to succeed in our marriages. I like what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8. He says, so shall my word be that comes out of my mouth. The God breathed words that goes forth out of my mouth, it will never return unto me void, but it will always accomplish what I please wherever I send it. The word of God is sufficient. All we need to do is use it. All we need to do is apply it in our marriages. You ought to be building your marriage on the solid foundation of the scriptures. If you want to have a successful marriage, the first instruction, build it biblically. Some years ago, I was having some real wrestling in my spirit about the role of women in the church. And my theological training taught me one thing, and I studied, and I, and I kind of concluded and agreed with my theological background, but I wondered, if, did I miss something? I read everything I knew to read. I, I exegeted the scriptures. Let me call one of my pastor friends, one of the prominent pastors, a local pastor in the area. So I called him, and I said, look, how did you decide on the role of women in your church. I'm, I'm just, I just want to hear what he said because I respect him. He said, all I know is this. When I released my women, my church took off. And look at my church now. Now, what I hoped he was going to say is, according to the word of God, this is what my studies have taught me. Let me show you in the Bible why I took this. No, no, no. He started with, look how big my church is. Look at the budget of my church now. Look at how many people look up to me now. Look at the new titles I have now. No, 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 no. What we need to understand, if we are going to do it God's way, you need to be asking, Jesus said, the question was, have you not read? These were supposed to be experts in the law. He said, no, 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 no. We ain't talking about your theology and your philosophy and being politically correct. What has the Bible said about the subject? And when you can show me in the word of God that this is the stance the church should have, I'm, I'm right with you. But if you can't show me in the word, the word is the very voice of God. And when I reject the voice of God, I am rejecting him which takes me to the danger of rejecting God. When you get a chance in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 10, verse, that entire chapter, the Lord said, if you obey my word, I will bless your coming in. I will bless your going out. I will bless everything you touch if you operate in obedience to the authoritative word that I have spoken from my mouth. But he adds in verse 10, but if you disobey, 
I will curse you going in. I will curse you going out. But you say, well, I know people. They ain't cursed. They don't believe in the Bible. They, don't, they, they reject the scripture. They think it's antiquated, outdated, and, and male chauvinistic. Are we really blessed? Have you, have you paid attention to what's going on in the world today? You see what's happening in Florida right now in a pandemic? We're not blessed. We're worse off than we ever been. The Bible said that men will become wiser but weaker. We're more selfish. We've turned away from the truth. And when you turn away from the truth, the consequences is God removes his heads of protection. We got a plague, y'all, in case you didn't know it. God not only removes his plague, his, his heads of protection, but he releases divine judgment. The family is in disarray. Just, just, just look. We ain't blessed. Well, look at the house they live in. That ain't God. We're looking at things. The Bible says the natural man looks at that that thing from the senses, but the spiritual man understands that everything that you can see through the senses and feel and touch and hear is passing away. We're not blessed. We're under divine judgment when you go against developing things according to the word of God. The first instruction is, Build your marriage biblically. When is the last time you had an argument with your, your wife or husband and you actually referred to the Bible for how you should handle what you're dealing with right now? When is the last time you disciplined your child and you actually said, this is what God says about your behavior? We, 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 we got the book, but we don't use it. Guess what, children? The children of God, the word, the word, the word still works. You just need to use it. Here's instruction number two. Jesus responding to the Pharisees' question, he said, he who created them at the beginning. The first and second instruction is God created you. Therefore, we find our purpose through and in him. Second instruction in the book, to understand how to make grants work, you need to understand God created you. And here's the interesting thing. There's no such thing as creation apart from God. God is the only one who ever created anything. The word by definition means to bring into existence something that didn't exist from nothing. God spoke ex nihilo, <laughs> creato ex nihilo. What that means is in the beginning, the Bible says, let there be in the world. From nothing, God created something. Now, we can be creative from something that already existed, but only God makes something out of nothing. And it is based on going back to, on the authority of his word, the power of God's word. He just spoke it into existence. He is the creator, and therefore we find our purpose in and through him. You want to know what you're, what you're supposed to be and do? It starts with your creator. It starts with God. God created us to be like him. In Genesis chapter 1, verse uh, uh, 18, it says, let us create man in our own image and likeness. You were created not to be the, to, to wild out and to, to do good or, or to feel good. You were created to be like God. And so when you consider in your marriage, how am I supposed to behave myself? I'm created to be like God in this marriage. I'm created to be spiritual in my marriage. 
I'm created to do as unto the Lord in my marriage. He, the creator is the one who determines our purpose and the plan for our life. Scripture says he created us in his image and likeness. And then not only because he made us, he's our creator. That is, he made us from what he created. He made man from the dust of the earth. The Bible said he formed man. He just threw us together and we were still good. But he fashioned woman. <laughs> that means it took him some time to put the women, to, a, a, a woman together. He, he just, this was a masterpiece. This is God putting on his Picasso hat and, and putting on his, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the bib and all that. He's going up against a canvas. And oh, no, no, no. When he put brothers together, he said, oh, here you go. And, but no, he formed women. He formed the woman. As our creator, God has a right and authority to rule over us. The scripture says the earth is the Lord's, and the, everything in it is his. First, First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 20, you have been bought with a price. You are therefore not your own. So when it comes to marriage, I understand instruction number two is God created me, and he has the right to rule over me because I have been purchased with a price by the one who created me. So I have to answer to him. Do you believe that you are the creation of God? Uh, I hear Jeremiah the prophet saying, can the clay say to the potter what you doing? Who, who, who is you? How dare you try to make me submit? How dare you try to make me love this woman? Instruction number two is that God created us from the beginning. We were created by God. We are his handiwork. You belong to him. And so when you think about how you're conducting yourself in the marriage, are you being like Jesus in your marriage? Come on, tell the truth. Who do you look more like, a child of God or a child of flute-foot Satan? Do you see the, 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 the footprints of a lamb or the footprints of a wolf in your marriage? I want you to know if you don't recognize the fact that you are created by God and your purposes are found in him and he has the right and the authority to rule over you, you're going to act the way you want to act and feel like it's okay. Instruction number three. He said he made them male and female. Instruction number three. This ain't new. Uh, gender reveals aren't new. God had the first gender reveal, uh, reveal. He made them male and female. Now, generation, the, uh, uh, the millennial generation and generation, uh, the, 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 newer, the generation that's right behind them, they have been taught in a, and I'm going to do a series on what the, the problem is, we don't fear God. And so our children have been educated in secular schools and they have been bombarded with messages that say we ought to be all inclusive. But again, we go back to the scripture. The Bible is our authority. If inclusive means what God says, I'm inclusive. But if, 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 if there's exclusivity, one of the things that is very exclusive, God says, except you be born again. I didn't say that. Is that means that some people aren't saved and some are. Now, stay with me. Now, what I'm about to say about, <clears throat> say, regarding male and female, isn't a new teaching or 
LGBTQ bashing. I love everyone, and more importantly, so does God. God, gender reveals aren't new. I've already said that, but I'm going to repeat it. I'm going to read this. God determines what gender you are before you ever knew that you were a you. Before you ever had a decision about it, he gave you certain plumbing. You didn't get to vote in heaven. Well, I decide, I think that I want, let's take a, a consensus, a majority rule. No, no, no. God predetermined before you were even born, before you were a twinkle in your daddy's eye, what your gender would be. Listen to what Psalm says. Here's the word. Don't get mad at me. Here's the word. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God, you did this. I praise you. Now, I ain't mad at you because of what you decided. Because I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm a masterpiece because the master made me. He determined for me my gender. My frame was not hidden from you. And when I was made in secret place, even when I was made in, in, in a secret place, God determines a person's gender, your most authentic self is not your definition of a Ford or a Buick. The Ford manufacturer determines it's a Ford or a Buick. You don't get to say that, that your Ford is a Buick. You can say it, but that doesn't change the fact that it was made by another manufacturer. Now, I've never attended a, a gender reveal party, but I've seen enough of them on social media. And here's how it works. The parents go to an obstetrician or maternity doctor to get a sonogram to learn the gender of the baby inside of the mother's womb. Parents don't go into that room with the doctor and say, well, I can tell you beforehand, this is what my baby's going to be. No, you go to get the sonogram so the doctor can see what's already, the doctor doesn't even get to decide. It's already determined. And so all the doctor does is, is tell you what's already there. Once the parents find out that the baby is a male or female, they keep it a secret until the gender reveal party, right? If the color at the gender reveal party is pink, what does that mean? Girl, if it's blue, it means I ain't never seen nobody come out with a multicolored <laughs> declaration that my child doesn't know. We don't know what our child is. You do know. But what happens is after that child is born, we make some decisions. And if the decision that we make doesn't line up with the original design, it doesn't become right because you decided that because we live on, this is the very word of God. God said in the beginning, I made male and female. That's what God says. And we even go, we, we happy to say boy or girl. We ain't trying to sh sh have no flair with multicolors. We ain't doing that in front of our friend. But then our child through social pressure and whatever, and that's a whole nother sermon. But my point is that God determined gender, male and female. Third instruction, it's God who determines what your gender is. You don't get to do that. Am I right about it? Now, let me just make some comments here. 
when a parent, uh, uh, I, I wanted to say that when I heard about the, the six Asian women that were murdered and the two uh, non-Asians who were murdered in Atlanta, it crushed my heart. But what was interesting to me is that the way this young man was caught, his parents turned him in. Now, they loved God and what was right more than they loved their child. Now, watch this. You may have a child who doesn't agree with what you teach from the Word of God. You must love God more than you love that child, love them enough to tell them the truth, but you need to keep loving your child the same way God loves them. And what that means is that woman's son did a heinous act of killing eight people who did not deserve to die. And she and her husband picked up the phone and they said, that's my son. This is the car he's driving in. This is his phone number. This is how you can track him. But guess what? At the end of the day, when everything is said and done, that boy who committed those murders are still, it's still that family's child. Your children may disagree and live an entirely different lifestyle from what the word of God teaches we should not love them any less. But, but you need to tell them the truth. You must tell them the truth based on the word of God. And we're going to stop here, and we'll pick up next time with a part two. But there's a poem that we grew up. We, we, we were taught this poem years ago about Humpty Dumpty. Some of you remember the, the, the poem of Humpty Dumpty. How he sat on the wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All of the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty together again. He had a great fall from sitting on the wall, and the king dispatched all of his horses and all of his men, all of his resources, material and politically, and they could not reassemble what was fractured and fragmented. I want you to know that Humpty Dumpty is the church. Humpty Dumpty is, the, is marriage. And what we have tried to do when we get away from following the word of God, we have sent all kinds of financial resources. We've gone to every kind of workshop. We've read every kind of book, listened to every kind of CD, listened to every kind of uh, 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 person that talks about marriage. And still we find that our marriages are fragmented because we've used the king's men and the king's horses. And we've gotten away from the word of God if we build marriages on the basis of the word of God. Marriage will succeed. I'm going to continue and finish where we started next time so that we will find out what the three last instructions are. Let us pray. Father God, in Jesus' name, we thank you and we bless you for all that we have heard today. God, we must build strong marriages on your word. God, we must understand that you are our creator. We must also understand that when you created us in our, in our original, most authentic state, you made male and female. And God, when we submit to that, we are 
coming under the authority of what you have declared in your very word. And you promised in your word, O oh God, that you will bless us coming in and bless us coming out. But you also said when we disobey, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to a nation. Oh God, may we not be in disobedience to your word. We thank you and we bless you in Christ's name. Amen.